Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and welcome to MedHeads. Today, we've got two very special guests. We've got Craig Payne, a group facilitator, and we've got Oscar Grano, a peer support worker. Welcome to you both. How are you both? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Virgil. Oscar, how yeah, are you? Yeah, very well. Good, good. Yeah. So, good. so listen, Oscar, this is your first time on the show. I wanted to thank you for coming up to us today. Um, what we were planning on doing today was talking about your lived experience. If you're happy to describe a little of what you went through in your journey, both into drug addiction and then to into recovery. If you're yeah, happy sure. to talk to us about that. Yeah. So, and, and I suppose, Craig, I suppose that because of your great experience in, in helping people in this journey, it would be useful for you to highlight significant points in Oscar's story and relate them back to the, the discussions that we've had uh, previously, if that's something that you could do for us, Craig. Yeah, sure. Sounds okay. Good. So Oscar, off you go. What happened to you? What was life like before you went into drugs? What, what were you doing? What was your life like first? Um, well, the thing is, I grew up with both of my parents in and out of recovery from a very young age. Um, so I grew up around a recovery environment, um, also an addiction environment, but more a recovery environment. Um, and as a result of growing up, in that environment and hearing all the stories and knowing about a lot of stuff that a lot of kids my age didn't know about. Um, I was terrified of using drugs from a very young age. Um, <clears throat> and fast forward to when I started high school, um, being very severely bullied, have, having very low self-esteem, um, the only people who accepted me and the only friend group that I really seemed to fit in with and the only people that I wanted to hang around with happened to be people that were using. Um, and uh, I just kind of slotted in there pretty comfortably. And then when I started using for the first time, um, it's kind of like this bubble burst and this thing that I was so terrified of all my life, I was like, oh, what's the big deal? Uh, you know, it's not such a big thing. Um, and then, yeah, my addiction lasted about five years um, and it was when it was actually when I was 16 was the first time that I really tried to um, go and detox and change my life because I'd reached a point where I felt like I, I was backed into a corner um, yeah and I couldn't I just knew I couldn't do what I was doing anymore um, and my dad was living in Hong Kong at the time so I went over to Hong Kong to um, detox with him in his apartment um, in the 40 degree heat there, which was, yeah, it was an interesting experience to say the least. Um, mm. And at that point, what I believed was that I could come back home and that I could start using in a different way. Um, I could, you know, change the, the way that I was using the drugs I was using. There were certain drugs that I'd say I wouldn't use anymore. Um, and I could change like the times that I use them and sort of try to control it in some kind of way. Um, 
And it was after doing that a few times, there was a few times over a couple of years where I tried to go and detox and I'd come home and attempt to do that. And every time I'd end up in the same place, but worse than the time I was there before. Um, so then when I was 18, I totally uh, reframed it. That's when I actually, that's, that's, I've been clean since I was 18 now. And, and the way that I reframed it then is I realized that I couldn't get away with using any mood or mind altering substance without ending up in that place, no matter how or which way or what it was, it didn't, it didn't matter. Um, so it was when I reached that point that I reframed it and said, no, I don't need to not use this drug or not do that or not hang out with this person. I just need to get clean and, and that's it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it was at that point where, um, and this is something that I've always been very grateful for because I grew up in the recovery environment from a very young age. When I needed help, I knew where to go to get it. Um, and my recovery was has primarily been based in peer support groups and in a recovery community. Um, and it was in that recovery community that when I got there, people were saying to me, you know, if I knew that this place existed at your age, maybe I wouldn't have used for another 10 or 20 years, you know? Um, uh, and, and I just heard a lot of people, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard a lot of people, oh, yeah. So, Are you going to say something, Craig? Uh, so, Craig, you, you've heard the story. Can you draw out some lessons from this story? Well, I was just hearing, like, I've heard um, where I, we, we've spoken about connection a bit, and um, I've heard in that story where connection has played parts in things all along the track, um, mm. where not only we're getting involved in drugs in the first place but um, and, and staying involved, um, but then also getting into recovery as well. Um, and I feel like, yeah, being, being exposed to that, um, it sounds like it was really important, uh, to, to the recovery Oscar, um, and, and help fast track things. Cause I mean, at, at 18 to be going into recovery, it's, um, that's huge. And, and to have stayed there is really good. So have you found that connections been important in that journey? It's been the most important thing. Um, yeah, because when, when I did get into recovery, um, it was almost like my life became a blank canvas um, and everything everything that built up my identity um, was essentially stripped away. That's how it felt. Um, so I need to rebuild it. I needed to rebuild it. I needed new connections. Um, and in that uh, peer support community is where I found those new connections and it was those connections with those people um, going to support groups, going to get coffee afterwards, talking to people, getting phone numbers and, and linking in that really got me through those early days of recovery and gave me the ability to thread the days together and for my head to hit the pillow at the end of the day and it's another day when I haven't picked up. And if I didn't have that com- community and that connection to fill those days in, I don't know how long I would have made it. And if I did make it, I would have... Um, just gone crazy, I think. Um, yeah, and you mentioned identity in there as well. Um, yeah. Did you find was it was it a was it a recreation of identity or or just um, just reestablishing yourself again? Uh, well, I didn't really know who I was, so it was um, it was just uh, about living with an open mind and living in a place where I was open to learning 
about what what do I like, what don't I like, who who am I once all the substances are taken away? Who who is Oscar? Um, because I didn't know because my entire identity was defined by substance use. Uh, and is that something you feel like you've got a grasp on now, and the, like you could say who Oscar is, or is that something that is evolving as you as you go in recovery as well? Ah, uh, well, look, there's definitely. I've definitely got a solid foundation of who I am today. Um, you know, having been in recovery for over 11 years now. Um, but within that, uh, I still find that it's essential to maintain an open mind because whenever I have an absolute concrete idea about who I am about, or about something about the way the world is or someone else, uh, more often than not, it kind of uh, gets challenged or shattered or, you know, uh, I'm kind of constantly in a position where just the way that I'm living, it's like I'm forced to maintain an open mind. And that, yeah, and, that, and that's totally, uh, being in recovery is what taught me how to live like that. Oscar, can I ask yeah. you, um, uh, you said at the very beginning of your story that you felt that you didn't fit in when you were at school, mm. when you, you know, you, you started using at 16. I mean, you, and, you identified with a group of people who were using drugs and you didn't fit in with the group that wasn't using drugs. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And Craig, I wonder if you'd then comment on that. Um, yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I was, I was very overweight as a child and um, I was fairly brutally bullied throughout um, the final years of primary school and the first couple of years of high school. Um, and yeah, the people that I gravitated towards and who wanted to spend time with me and who weren't bullying me were um, this small group of people who were using drugs. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't the drugs that attracted me to them. It was that they accepted me um, when they met me. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, and then, and then, and then they just so happen to be using drugs, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a it's it's a really familiar story, and it's it's one um, we I hear a lot uh, is that that lack of fitting in and and that lack of lack of not not belonging anywhere and a, a real feeling of of not belonging. Yeah, and uh, and then once it's found, it's there's there's almost a, a relief that comes with that, and. Mm. I wonder sometimes if it's the, as you said, there's that connection there. But um, did the drugs provide some relief as well, Oscar, or was it uh, that that you associated with? Oh, absolutely. Um, I remember the first time I used. It was like this sense of like, oh, this is this is what I've been looking for. This is this is the solution to coping with life. Um, it was like everything just kind of washed away and I just thought, why Why didn't I start doing this sooner? Why isn't everybody everywhere doing this, you know? Um, yeah. And then and then within a few years, it had completely reversed and it had completely stopped working um, and it was just complete misery. Yeah. yeah. Greg, can you comment on that, The uh, this idea of impulsivity to compulsivity? So, well, it's in what sense? Yeah. 
So the, the, the initial drive to use a drug is, is all about impulsivity. It's fabulous. And then, you know, then, then the perpetuation of drug use is about the avoidance of withdrawal. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, look, the, lo the longer we longer you use, the, the more the tolerance builds up and, and the less it starts to do what you're setting it, what, what you're using it for. Um, and for in so many cases, that being the relief from the situation and um, to almost block out the noise of the outside world and, mm -hmm. and block out all the things that are going on because the inability to deal with the, the problems is, um, is you know, what generates that cause for looking for the external relief. So yeah. that thing that initially, as Oscar said, you know, that thing that initially made him feel great and, and, and was really good, it, it eventually starts to chew away and chew away and, and all, the, all the problems still exist. Um, mm -hmm. And in, in a lot of ways, the problems build up um, over, over that time as well. Like it, it starts to have the physical and emotional and um, uh, like just dra drain energies and, and has all the, all the negative effects on life. Um, and it, it no longer provides the relief that it was providing in that first place, and those problems are still left. So um, I wonder how you then started to deal with all the, the other things in life, Oscar, that, that were driving you to want to use. Well, look, it was just, it was really essential for me to keep it simple in early recovery. I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I didn't have to work for a while, um, and I had the luxury of being able to really strip my life back and just essentially focus on doing recovery. Um, and it was basically allowing myself that space for the first year and a half to two years of recovery where I didn't do much else other than recovery. Um, and then within that, uh, the wildly unpredictable um, mental and emotional journey that early recovery is, um, having that space definitely made it much easier to get through it because I was just around that peer support group and that recovery community day in, day out. So whatever I was going through, um, it was essentially like I, I was never alone to um, face that difficult stuff. You know, there were always people around me who, who were there to help. Oscar, um, did you ever go through the yeah buts? Yeah, talk to me about your denial and, and final acceptance of your, of your issue. Because I know that Craig and I have discussed at length the yeah, buts and acceptance yeah. and denial. How did that play with you? Um, before this recovery, um, yeah, it was, it, it, it was absolutely there. Um, it was, yeah, it was, but I, I think it was more, you know, before this time, um, there were moments where the reality would hit for a brief moment and I'd go, I don't think I can keep doing this. Um, but I wasn't prepared to accept that yet. So I'd just spin whatever a story I had to, to get away with it in the moment and to convince myself that it was okay in the moment. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that could show that that could be done in, in a myriad of ways, you know. Such as? Oh, well, you know, uh, right, I won't start. If, if, if I don't start using before, um, say, 4 o'clock in the afternoon and I only use this much before I go to sleep to make sure that I have this much left for tomorrow, um, then, then, then it's fine and it's not a problem. 
um, you know, and just little, little, little justifications like that, little illusions of control mm. um, until, and, and, and also even getting away with that for, for, for little periods of time, the amount of energy and, and, and stress of focus that it took to even achieve those, those brief moments of control um even if i could have kept that going it was no way to live you know mm. um yeah cool. and then cool. I, was, that... I was just totally incapable of that in the yeah. end anyway does that ring true craig yeah. in your experience yeah absolutely um but yeah we've spoken about um the the denial and and the acceptance again and and also like the the full-time job side of things where it just takes up yeah. so much mental it's... space on a daily basis that it, yeah, it's, it's just really draining. And um, I was interested there, Oscar, you know, you said, um, yeah, it's almost that denial, that illusion that you were trying to keep up for yourself, that you were in control of that. And it's that denial that keeps, keeps um, us trapped for so long. Um, and then there's that acknowledgement that things are a problem, but then the different level where there's an acceptance that there's a problem there. Um, where was it that you, came to real acceptance in the problem and, and moved forward with things? Uh, well, it was really the last two weeks of, of, of my using um, because I decided that I wanted to go to detox again and, and somehow I just knew that it was different, but I wasn't able to actually get out of my living situation for two weeks. Um, and for that final two weeks, it was really, uh, for me, it was the definition of, of, of using against my will. Um, because it was just, uh, there, there was, there was no enjoyment left in it anymore. It was just day in, day out. I'm doing this because I have to do it to physically function. Um, and there is just nothing left in it. Um, and it was, it was, it was going through those two weeks, um, that really, really, uh, cemented it, you know? And, and, and I think having gone through those two weeks, that made it so much easier when I did get to detox. Um, because it was just this huge wave of relief after that two weeks. Like, I don't have to do it anymore. Oscar, I like those phrases. You've, you said using against my will, which I think is actually the definition of addiction. And also, you've also mentioned the illusion of control. I really like those two things. I think, Craig, you, you've commented on that as well. Craig, what do you think about using against my will? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it becomes a big part of recovery and it becomes a big part of that drive. Um, mm. And th there's an old saying, you know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And yeah. it just, you know, that drain, that drain, that drain to keep using. Um, and, yeah, it's I'm interested that there's a pain that goes along with that and there's a real anguish that goes with that. And eventually... What I hear so often is I just, I did this for me, you know, and it, it became it, it, people sort of get into recovery or, or, or try and stop using for, for other people. But all of a sudden there's this switch and it's, it's, it's a real internal drive that, that does that. Um, and that's what I just said you heard from Oscar was, you know, like that, that almost that pain of going through that for that last two weeks was the, the one that says, I just don't want to ever go back to this and, and gives that real motivation to, to keep yeah. going. So Oscar, how many detoxes had you done previously before this final detox? Uh, three. 
So were it was these four formal in total. residential? No, no. See, my my dad would always um, he he lived in Hong Kong for a couple of years. I was living in Byron at the time, and then he moved down to Melbourne. He, he'd move around a lot for work, um, and I was living with my mum, and I'd just go and stay with him wherever he was um, to go and detox for the couple of weeks. Yeah, and he knew that that's what you were going through, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah because, that, yeah, like I said, my parents were yeah, in recovery as well. And, yeah. yeah. So here's a question for you. I mean, a lot of people, I think, go through this phase of thinking they can, A, they can, the illusion of control, they think they can control it. And then when they can't control it, then they think they can do their own detox. Or then they can do a kind of a family-supported detox. But that, that didn't work for you, did it? Um, well, in the end, it was, you know, the substances that I was using, um, there was no, like, uh, medical risk involved in, in detoxing off those substances medically unassisted. Um, it was yeah. just having to go through the discomfort of it. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that was fine for me. Um, but I'm very aware that for many, many people that that's definitely not the case. And I think that it's more often than not, not the case from what I've seen. Yeah. But you, you went through three family-supported detoxes, which didn't work. Why, why do you think that was? Um, I think it's just because of, of where I was at. Um, mm. I mean, I think that with, with, with any of those detoxes, no matter where I did it, um, I, I wasn't ready. I was still... Um, yeah you know, trying to convince myself that I was going to go and give it another red hot go, you know? Yeah. You see, this is an interesting point. Yeah. I think, I think, now this is just an idea, and I'd be interested in Craig's opinion on this as well. I think that people who are in the phase of thinking that they can do a family-supported detox just aren't ready. I think that is a symptom of a lack of true acceptance of the pit that they're in. Am I being too harsh, or Craig, do you think there's any wisdom in that? Uh, I think for different people, depending on uh, on how long, how deep, um, how much support they've got around, um, you know, detox with family can work. It's it's what happens after that, after the yeah. detox, the aftercare. Um, you know, yeah. yeah, the aftercare. But but more important, the focus on recovery for that person. You know, yeah. so and this is what we talk, we've talked about a bit. You know, like just taking the substance away doesn't change the patterns of behavior and so it's that work in recovery that needs to be done and i've heard oscar mention you know the work he's done in recovery and and um you know that this just keeps going and so and it sounds like with the support of oscar's family it, it was really important um to his recovery um but yeah so i think look detox is is definitely um to be around a, a supportive in, environment is great but depending on the depth of the addiction and and the length um, then, you know, a, a detox is probably needed. But I think it can be done with family. But what focus do you put on recovery after that? And how much does recovery become part of your lifestyle? Because without recovery, without the work afterwards, you're back into the same mess. So detox opens the door. But it, the, the journey to recovery is actually the recovery itself. You know, that, that ongoing commitment to day, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, 
abstinence and filling your life with meaningful and purposeful activities. That's the key, isn't it? It's not just the, the two weeks of discomfort. It is, and it's it's changing your attitude to life and changing your yeah. behaviours and how you yeah. handle things. Because, and until you start to change that, your mm. instant um, instant go to is always going to be to turn to the substance to yeah. provide the relief that it's supposed to provide for you. Oscar, what 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 was your story in that regard? How, what purposeful, meaningful activities did you fill your life with um, after your detox? Uh, for me, a big one was music. Um, cause I'd yeah. always written music from a very young age and, uh, I remember I got into recovery. Um, I got a job at Subway and, uh, I was able to save up a little bit of money and buy a little recording setup so I could start recording music properly at home. Um, and I went on to study audio engineering. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I had the, I had the freedom to really follow that passion in, in, in early recovery, yeah. which was great. What yeah. was it like for you doing your first paid employment after your recovery, after your detox? It was like um, it was like a novelty, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being in a place where people were just, you know, just basic trust of 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 manning the till and like being around the money and closing the shop and little things like that, where. Um, the fact that I was receiving that kind of trust from the greater society, that's what helped me see the change within myself. And then that's what helped me see that, Hey, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a trustworthy person now. I can do this stuff now. And, 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 and the novelty of having um, disposable income that wasn't gone before I got it on a debt or, you know, on the next drug um, was an incredible sense of freedom as well. You know, Mm. that I could, I, I remember when I sat down, uh, for the first time, just did a just did a you know a nice cafe and and bought myself a meal, and it was this huge like oh my god I can sit down and afford to buy myself a meal at a cafe this is incredible, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. What was your first day of work like? Can you still remember <clears throat> it? Was I mean what, what I'm trying to get at? Did you, did you feel that you were ready for it, or was there a lot any anxiety? Um. No, no, there wasn't really, because um, yeah. you know I, I wasn't in a position where where I had where it was crucial for me to find a job. So um, yeah, the stakes weren't very high, really. Mm. Um, it was more just like going, you're giving it a go, you know. Right. Yeah. Because Craig, for a lot of people, this this that first day of employment is a huge milestone that is so anxiety provoking <clears throat> and. You know, they people dip their toe in the water, and then they fail, they, and then they crash, and, they, so, and then it's, the, the low self-esteem kicks in. You know, where it's I think you know it's great to hear Oscar's story of success, but that's not that's not uh, you know that's that's not the story for everyone, is it? Uh, not always, um, yeah. and that comes down it comes down again to um, to what those, what's driving those feelings of anxiety and what's driving what's driving that those fears about about going back to work but mm. um yeah you know for, for as you say a lot of people getting getting back to it and getting that structure and routine in life mm. is um is really important yeah oscar what about repairing of relationships because you know you you we haven't really talked about your loss of relationships but i think craig craig and i have talked previously many times about how the descent into addiction is actually characterized by a loss of relationships and recovery is characterized by repair of relationships and forming new relationships 
Did that happen to you? And how important are relationships in your ongoing recovery? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> they're, they're, they're the most important thing, really. Um, mm. and, and I remember the, the, the process that I went through of um, behavioural change, a, a big part of it was uh, making amends to, to the mm. people who I'd harmed. And I've still got friends today who knew me throughout my entire addiction. And, and who are still some of my closest friends today. And then, of course, my family, um, you know, and even some ex-partners some ex from, from in my addiction and stuff like that. And, and when I got to the point where um, I was ready to start making amends to people, um, almost everyone I spoke to essentially said that, you know, hey, it's water under the bridge because I'd been in recovery for a few years at the time. Um, so just through me living in recovery, it was like a living amends had been made. And just me being in their lives and in recovery, um, it was just like there was just a complete non-issue anymore. And, and, they, and they weren't hanging on to any of that stuff. Um, and I found that process incredibly healing and incredibly relieving. Was it frightening for you to consider a repair of relationship at first? There was a few. Yeah, there was a mm. few in there. But I was definitely anxious going into those conversations and bringing yeah. that stuff up again. Yeah. Mm. Who, who was that, if, if I may ask? Um, one was uh, an ex-partner. Um, one was my dad. Mm. Um, and those, yeah, those are the two that I can really think of. Because with, with my dad, um, I remember... I remember when I was four months clean and I visited him in Melbourne when I was living in Byron at the time, it was the first time I hadn't, it was the first time that I'd seen him in five years where I hadn't either been using or detoxing because I'd always go and stay at his house to detox and that's almost the only time I'd seen him. Mm. Um, so that was yeah. a big step for you. Yeah. So Oscar, yeah, absolutely. we've run out of time. So I'm going to ask you both for one message of hope to, for anyone listening. So Oscar, you first. If you could say one thing to anyone listening to us, what message of hope would you want to give out? Um, message of hope. <clears throat> well, just that recovery is possible. You know, there's nothing magical or mystical about me or anybody else who has managed to get ongoing recovery and who've managed to build really uh, meaningful lives, you know, and you just have to do it. You know, it's like if you can find a way for your head to hit the pillow tonight and you haven't picked up, then it's been a successful day no matter what else happens. And whatever you do to achieve that, you know, it, I, I don't think it matters, you know. Yeah. Great. And Craig, what about you? One final message of hope. Yeah, um, again, like, like Oscar said, recovery is possible, but you can't do it alone. And mm. what, I, what I heard through a lot of his story was the supports that have been, been around for him mm -hmm. and the supports that are ongoing now he's in recovery as well mm. and just how important they've been. So don't try and do it alone. Craig and Oscar, thank you so much for your pearls of wisdom. I really hope we can do this again soon. Thank you. Oh, thank thanks, you, Fergal. Thanks, Oscar. Thanks, Craig. That's it for today's MedHeads. Thank you for watching. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong. We'll see you next time.